says, well, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And this is plugged in. Great to be with you uh, again and to bring uh, a word of God that I hope will inspire you and encourage you this morning. I think it would be safe to say that looking around, and of course Linda asked if anyone was new and there isn't, Church for you is a regular occurrence. I'm assuming this. It's been a, a regular occurrence with me all my life. Because um, my parents went to church. They took me to church as a baby. I'm not sure I was dedicated on the eighth day, but uh, uh, it, was, it was probably I was just weeks old when I was taken. And so it's something I've done all my life. I can't imagine not doing anything else on Sunday but getting up and coming to worship the Lord. Generally, when we come to church, we know what to expect, don't we? Uh, there's a pattern to church, and uh, it's, it's perfect. Um, we can't improve on it, and whatever church you go to, anywhere in the world, Christian church, they do the same thing. It's the same all over. And it's, it is perfect. It can't be improved upon. We sing, don't we? Worship and praise to God. Someone once said, praise is running to God. Worship is falling back from God. We pray. We preach. There's a place for preaching. Uh, we read the scriptures. We hear testimony. We partake in communion and we gather in an offering that you want to bring to the Lord. It's the same everywhere. It's the same every week. It's the same. Sometimes the length of the service, depending what church you go to, is shorter. Sometimes it can be longer. I've been in churches where it seemed to have gone on all day. They never knew when to stop. Singing and singing and then preaching and uh, more, more singing, more preaching. And I've been in churches where they don't even make the hour. 50 minutes seems long enough and we'll, we'll, we'll call it that. So, but it's the same. It's the same. The way we do it might differ from church to church. Some people are very quiet, very solemn in it. Some people can be quite noisy. Go on there, Paul. And uh, it's very strong, and it, it's sort of bold, and it's the same. It's the same. We respectfully present ourselves before the Lord to honour Him and to receive a blessing from Him. That's it. Generally, we enjoy the service. I, I suppose if we didn't, we just wouldn't come. So there is a level of enjoyment in coming to church. Subjectively, if things are generally all right in our life and uh, we're pleased to come and meet one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, you have the same spirit in you that I have in me and I'm pleased to meet with you. If I'm not battling with too many things in my life, because we're all battling with something, uh, if it's not too severe, then I can enter into this time of worship and praise and honouring God. Objectively, we want the sermon to be interesting. 
If it's not, then um, a long preach is hard work. I understand that. Uh, the testimony can be enthusing. We hear it and it, it, it inspires us. God's done something wonderful in someone's life. And the songs can be inspiring. Not always inspiring for everyone. Something thinks, oh, that's a bit old, and or we've sung that one so many times, or or whatever. But generally speaking, we enjoy this coming to church. We're encouraged from Scripture to believe that when we gather together in unity, that's we come with one mind and one heart, that Jesus promises to be with us. He says that, so he is. If you've come to be united in love and fellowship and honour the Lord, Jesus is present in our midst. That's what we feel good about. We also have a spirit in us, who is the Holy Spirit of God, whom we share. He's in all of us, and so our fellowship is sweet. Because it's generally a feel-good experience, and it's the right thing to do, I presume you're going to keep on doing it until Jesus comes or you die, yes? If you could physically get here, you will, or get to a church. I presume, I do. Like I said, I've been doing it for over 70 years. I'll probably not stop now. Uh, sometimes, oh... Sometimes when I was younger, I didn't want to go. I remember my mother encouraging me to go. I felt very angst about it because she let my brother stay at home, but she made me go to church. But I, I appreciate that now. Um, I don't have to be made to go now. I want to come. And I want to meet with God's people, and I want to worship the Lord, and I want to honour God. This is the way that things are. This is the way they've always been. When we come, are we satisfied? Are you satisfied when you come? Or do you think sometimes there's something missing? It could be better. I'm generally an optimistic person, but I, I sometimes think it was lovely and it was pleasant and it was nice and I'm glad I went there and I wouldn't do anything else, but there's something more. There's something more. Is it what we're looking for is that God would meet with us? in a much more glorious way. Is that possible? That we want to meet with God in a very special way. I'm sure you've heard sermons on revival. And of course, if a revival came, we would all be blown apart. If we chose to. So I'm not preaching on revival this morning but I'm preaching on coming to church and the glory of God coming to meet us. Something 
different from the ordinary, something special and unique. The glory of the Lord coming amongst us. The presence of Jesus is here, but that's not necessarily the glory of the Lord. I want to share with you something that I read a couple of weeks ago now. It's an article that was in Premier Christianity magazine for the month of February. It talks about a revival that happened about 12, uh, 12 months ago now in America. Let me read this article to you. It says, on the 8th of February in 2023, a university chapel service in Ashbury, Kentucky, closed with a simple prayer. Jesus, do a new thing in our midst. Revive us by your love. The meeting appeared to end unremarkably. Most of the few hundred students who had to attend the mandatory service, they drifted back to their dorms and their classrooms. But 19 or so young people remained. They continued to pray. They lingered, waiting and worshipping. And then heaven seemed to break open. Over the course of the next hour, the vast space of the Hughes Auditorium became infused with a deep, tangible sense of the presence of God. Spontaneously, students across the campus began to leave their classrooms and flock back to the chapel. Word spread fast. At first it was a trickle, then there was a great flood. Generation Z, that's this youngest generation that we have now, characterized as the least religious generation in history, they came running, the cynical, seemingly hungry for the real thing. Within hours, the hall was full of tear-stained faces, gently meeting with Jesus. No celebrity Christians holding court, no marketing or manipulation, just broken-hearted young people ravished by the pandemic and disillusioned by cultural wars and toxic church falling into the arms of Jesus. Kids, students, pulled their mattresses into the sanctuary and slept on the floor day and night, night and day. Time seemed to stand still. The old altar rail at the front was flooded with students repenting, reconciling, committing to following Christ. Faculty academics became pastors watching in awe as a great wave of reviving love broke unexpectedly on their students. Over the next sweet 16 days and nights, Ashbury became a thin place. More than 70,000 people turned up in person, crowded the neat, crowding the neat picket fenced lawns, overflowing to neighbour chapels and halls. They queued day and night, the curious, the cynical, the hungry, the hopeful. TikTok blew up 
as hundreds of thousands of young people joined vicariously through their smartphones. News crews broadcasted testimonies from the car park and the New York Times declared it the first great religious viral of the 21st century. In the end, the local authorities had to shut down the town with emergency road signs flashing revival over capacity. <laughs> but, in all honesty, what had happened at Ashbury could not be contained because for those young people, nothing will ever be the same. Generation Z has tasted that there is more. And I just say to you, whatever you've experienced with God, however lovely it was, however pleasant it was, however great a meeting that you've been in, there is more. There is more. These young people, they weren't... They weren't doing anything wonderful that, that caused that to happen. They came along to a meeting that was mandatory. It was a college, a Christian college, where they had to go to the meeting. So they went and they left. And for some reason that is not explained, the Spirit of God came into that place. The glory of God came with the presence of the Lord and people were changed they were changed for the rest of their lives in the 1980s Daphne and I with two children we went to church every week as well I was a Sunday school superintendent and Daphne did things like we all do in church. And one day in our front room, one evening, God visited us. The power of God came in to our front room. And we were never the same again. Within 12 months, we were pastoring a church. It's never been the same since, you see. I thank God for that. When I read about revivals and things like this, I know exactly what they're talking about. Because God came and changed our lives forever. Church is pleasant, it is. You do a fantastic job. And you do, both of you. And lots of ministers do. But we want God to come into our church, don't we? You understand what I'm saying? We want the Spirit of God to come, the power of God to come into our meetings. What was it like for the apostles? Meeting Jesus was a transforming experience. I mean, they, they had businesses, but they left. I don't know how they explained to their wives and their family, we're going with this man, Jesus. We're leaving 
It was so powerful, their meeting. Somehow we could sort of drift into becoming a Christian. Oh, it is a wonderful experience to know you're born again and your sins are forgiven. But we can sort of drift into it. And church can just be ordinary. It's just something else we do in life. It wasn't for these disciples when they met Jesus. And they were with Jesus. And he met thousands and thousands of people. And in Jesus meeting them, their lives were thoroughly transformed and changed. They would forsake everything for days and go on the hillside just to listen to this man speak. It wasn't normal. He broke into their lives, their, their steady, careful lives. He broke into them in a powerful, powerful way. The things that he did and the words that he said transformed people, ignited their lives. They would never be the same again. He starts by turning water into wine. He moves on to healing the sick and delivering people. He goes with them on a fishing excursion and they just catch miraculous uh, fish just keep flowing towards their nets and they pull them aboard. Everything they seemed to be doing with him was so exciting and vibrant and full of life. They're walking along the street one day and they see what they've seen perhaps many times before. There's someone bringing a dead person. He's wrapped up and they're perhaps carrying him and they come across Jesus and Jesus talks to the widow, talks to the mother of this boy and raises this boy from the dead. You see, life was never boring or mundane or ordinary. It was always powerful, exciting as it were. They went with him one day and they met this man who was so tormented, he would cut himself and just uh, take his clothes off and he would live amongst the tombs, thoroughly tormented. And Jesus ministers to him and he sits there clothed and in his right mind. The last thing, or one of the last things they do they go to a dear friend of theirs called Lazarus who's died and his body is rotting in the tomb and Jesus calls him forth and raises him from the dead. You say, Phil, that, my Christian life is nothing like that. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I love my Christian life. I love to be born again. I love to know that I have an eternity with God and my sins are forgiven and I enjoy worship and I enjoy singing. But it's not, it's not what it looks like in here. 
can't imagine them getting up any morning thinking, I wonder what's going to happen today. It won't be boring, that's for certain. I wonder what he'll do. I wonder what he'll say. I wonder where he'll teach, take us. I wonder who he will upset today. I wonder what truth will, amazing truth will pour from his lips. Half of which we don't understand. There was nothing mundane about following Jesus. There was no lack of excitement. It could never be called dull or humdrum. After all, he came, he said, I've come to give you life. And life in the full. Full of excitement and power. Where the glory of God comes close to you. That all you can do is fall on the floor. Because of his presence. Every day. They learn to love and respect this God-man more and more and more. Every day they understood more about how much God really loved them. Their lives were changed forever. Changed. It would never be the same again. Is it wrong, am I wrong, to want to gather with my brothers and sisters and be amazed by God? Am I wrong? Tell me if I'm wrong. I'm not wrong, am I? <coughs> I don't turn up for a nice service. I've had thousands of them, literally, for 70 odd years, every week of my life and many other times. I've had wonderful services, but I want more than a service. I want to meet with the living God. So do you. That's why you come. You might say, well, it was, it was a good meeting. I understand what you mean. You probably haven't been to bad meetings for a long time. But we want more than a good meeting, don't we? I watch people fall asleep sometimes as I preach my hotel. I'm thinking... I wish they would fall off the chair. <laughs> but they probably can't because they're propped up. <coughs> I haven't fallen asleep in church for a long time. Is it right to settle for the ordinary when we worship a supernatural God? It's not just God, little G. He's the supernatural God who created the whole universe and loves us so passionately. He sent Christ to die for us. Will you turn up God, please, in our meetings? We know that if he does, we will never be the same again. Just like these students at this university for the rest of their lives, they will never be the same again. Because they met with the glory of God. 
in that place. That's what revival is. I'm not preaching about revival. I'm not. I'm preaching about God coming and manifesting himself. A God who would fill this place with his glory. We probably wouldn't remain on our chairs. We would fall to the floor. As I said, praise is running to God, but worship is falling back from him. We sing with such excitement so we can come towards him. But then we want the worship to knock us back because we see him as he is. He would only have to appear for a brief moment. That would be not, it wouldn't have to be a long stay, God. Just to come. Paul, at the end of chapter 11, he's, he's sat with God, as it were, and God has downloaded to him what it is to be born again. That's what Romans is all about. And in, in chapter 11, at the end of chapter 11, Listen what he says about his God. It's, it's written like poetry, prose, and we read it so quickly as we read it. But try and get the heart of where Paul was as he wrote this. He says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. As he was writing down this, this, this scripture in Romans... He was amazed by this God, the wonderful majesty of the truth, the wisdom and the knowledge of God. It was overwhelming. He says, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? And he finishes it off with this. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. He was amazed. In his writings, in his time with God, he was just amazed. Listen to what the psalmist write in Psalm 40 and verse 5. Many, O Lord, uh, many, O Lord my God, are the wonders that you have done, the things you plan for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. You're right, Linda. God was there with you last night. He is with us every day and he wants to be with us more every day. It says in Psalm 77 and 14, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power amongst your people. Yes, God, we are your people and we long to see more of your power dismayed. Can we do anything to move God 
to action. It appears those students didn't particularly do anything, did they? They were just there. They had closed the meeting. Perhaps they didn't have lectures to go to and they just wanted to chat together for a little while or pray a little bit longer. We must look for the reason there. Can we do anything to have God draw closer to us? I just suggest one or two things. Have a faith that is expectant for God to move. It doesn't have to happen in church. It can happen anywhere. Live with an expectation, and especially when we gather together, for God to move. Not just turn up to do another meeting, another service. Expect it. Be open for God to settle upon you. To come upon you. To make yourself, as it were, one that would be set ablaze with the fire of God. Be ardent for God. Arden has a meaning of burning for him, being on fire for him. Imagine if God settled on every church in the UK on Sunday morning. Imagine the effect that it would have throughout the nation fires would be lit fires would be lit that would be seen throughout and heard throughout our communities all over the land Lord will you come will you visit us with your glory we ask in Jesus name Amen. Amen. God bless you.